So we come to Joel chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, and it's part of this long section. The first half of Joel is, is um, a message of God's judge, judgment falling on the nation, and the second half we move on to this promise of restoration. And so this part is uh, part of this long section, which is a, a really a call to uh, repentance for Israel uh, in view of the coming day of the Lord. And so we come to Joel chapter 2. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming near. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness, like blackness, there is spread upon the mountains. A great and powerful people. Their like has never been before, nor will be again after them. Through the years of all generations, fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses they run, as with the rumbling of chariots they leap on the tops of the mountains, like the crackling of a flame of fire devouring the stubble, like a powerful army drawn up for battle. Before them, the peoples are in anguish. All faces grow pale. Like warriors, they charge. Like soldiers, they scale the wall. They march each on his way. They do not swerve from their paths. They do not jostle one another. Each marches in his path. They burst through the weapons and are not halted. They leap upon the city. They run upon the walls. They climb up into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened. And the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army. For his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful. For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Well, may God bless the reading and the preaching of his word to us this morning. So the book of Joel is this message of divine judgment and also a call for repentance. And chapter two, we return to this theme of a locust invasion. And the, the commentators are, are somewhat divided about this. Is Joel here, is he referring to a literal locust invasion? Um, or is he developing a metaphor for a military attack? We know that Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonian armies and that Jerusalem fell 586 BC. So is this just metaphorical language here? Well, I think what's happening, uh, along with many commentators, that this is a, a, a lit, still, a, still a literal locust invasion, but that Joel is implying really heightened imagery here, uh, 
concerning the day of the Lord. This goes way beyond a literal locust invasion to speak of coming divine judgment. And he's using all this very sort of poetic images um, to paint this picture of divine judgment and the day of the Lord. And as we go through, you just notice all the sounds and the sights um, of this locust invasion. And this theme of, of the day of the Lord, that the day of the Lord is, is the day of God's judgment falling upon the earth. Um, and it's many times in the Bible refers to historical judgments on people. So in Isaiah 13, it speaks of, of uh, God's judgment on, on, um, on, on the Babylonian armies. But different times, the, the day of the Lord uh, here is speaking of historical judgments, but it also looks forwards to the end of history, to the final coming, to the day of the Lord, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we see uh, in the book of Joel is sort of like a, a microcosm of judgment to come. It's the end of the world and the restoration of the world promised. Well, our section here breaks into four uh, sections, or at least there's, there's this introductory call, this alarm uh, because of the coming day of the Lord. And then this, these three sections which describe a locust invasion. We have uh, verses three to five, they're described in terms of a, a consuming army, a devouring army, an eating army. Uh, verses six to nine. Uh, they're described, this locust army is, is described in terms of being an invading army. And we're moving very much to the city and climbing on walls and that sort of thing. And invading, and indeed an unstoppable army there. And then in, in verses 10 and 11, really it's the sort of the culmination of this section where actually we find that Joel is talking about the Lord's army. That this great army of locusts, this great divine judgment, is actually under God's own command. And then we move on to the um, call to, to repentance. It moves to that in the, in the next section. So this first section really is, is this call to uh, an alarm, this alarm call, this trumpet call. So verse 2 um, sorry, chapter 2, verse 1. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord, it is coming near. So, ancient cities, you have the city walls, and they would post watchmen who would look out for threats, and when they saw an invading army, would sound the alarm, the trumpet call. It was their job to sound an alarm. Well, where is this all being sounded? Well, blow a trumpet in Zion. So we're speaking here of God's holy city. Zion was one of the hills in Jerusalem where David's city was. Um, and, but this refers to the, the whole of Jerusalem. It's referred to here as my holy mountain. So there's echoes here of Sinai. Jerusalem became the place of God's presence, the place where God was with his people. So there's this call to sound an alarm. Um, but why are they sounding alarm? Who is coming? What is coming? Well, the, the trumpet sound is because the Lord is drawing near. And again, that, that refers, well, that's an echo 
of Mount Sinai. They had to, to sound the alarm because the presence of the Lord was going to become visibly manifest on Sinai. The Lord was going to come down. And so what, what are the people to do? Uh, if there was an invading army, you might have a hope of defence, sort of man the barricades and come gather the armies. We can fight this one off, sound the alarm. But if God himself is coming, what, what is your defence? Sound the alarm. So this is, this is part of Joel's call for repentance. So throughout this section, he's had priests and ministers say, look, look, come to the temple, draw near and turn to God. The only way to escape from the judgment of God is to turn to God. The only way to escape from the Lord is to turn to the Lord. Call upon the Lord Jesus to be saved. He is the only way of escape. So there's this great sound of an alarm. For the day of the Lord is near. And then it is described there as a day of darkness and gloom of clouds and thick darkness, blackness spread upon the mountains. And there's a curious image, so um, which is picked up in the King James Version. It speaks of uh, the darkness being like the dawn spread on the mountains. So if you think about a sunrise and dawn, sort of spreads out everywhere, doesn't it? But here this, this image is inverted and the, the darkness is spreading out. This black cloud of darkness. Well, what are we talking about here? A black cloud of darkness? Well, we're talking about our friends, the locusts. You know, this is this locust cloud, which these millions and millions, uh, thousands of millions of locusts in, in formation, swirling around, uh, blocking out the sun. He says, verse 2, like there never has been before, nor will there ever be again through all generations. Picks up on beginning of chapter 1. This locust plague was unique. It had never happened before in Israel. And these words they pick up on uh, Exodus 10, 14, where it talks about uh, the locust there on Egypt. Such a dense swarm as never had been seen before, nor had been seen again. So the judgment now that is falling on Israel is unique. Um, it is um, for, for Israel. God's covenant curse falling not on uh, Egypt, but on his own covenant people. Well, verses 3 to 5, we see this locust invasion described as a devouring army. Fire uh, devours before them. And I think that the fire and flame imagery is all the same thing. You know, fire licks up and consumes things. And here is these, these swirling uh, fire, as it were, of locusts just going and consuming everything. And um, the land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but behind is this desolate wilderness. So here is Israel, described as the Garden of Eden, the place of beauty, the place where the people were to meet in the presence of God, and at the heart of that was the temple. Remember, the temple had all these sorts of decorations of flowers on it, of trees. The temple was the, the heart of the garden, that place where people would enjoy fellowship, with the living God, that is what we're made for, that fellowship with the Lord. And yet in God's judgment, all of that is stripped away. All the good things of this creation, utterly eaten up, devoured, destroyed. All the life, all the vegetation, gone, eaten up and destroyed. 
So the locust plague described in terms of this devouring army. Um, and like uh, this army of horses. So verse 4. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses. And like war horses, they run. So locusts, you might have a little look at this afterwards and think, well, maybe they do look a little bit like horses. Uh, one of the words I learned this week, I haven't checked this with my wife, but one of the words I learned this week for in German um, is, for, for lo, uh, locusts is a, a, a hay horse, a hoifird. I don't know if that's right. And, and in, in Italian, a little locust is a... Um, Cavaletto or something, same word for cavalry. So it's described as little horses, um, because they look a bit like horses, and they they sort of run and charge. And here, they're saying their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses, they run. And so in the Bible, the, the, the scriptures frequently draw this connection between locusts and horses, and locusts and armies. So Judges 6 speaks of the, the Midian army that was um, attacking at that time. Um, like this. So Judges 6.5 said that the Midianites would come with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in number. And then verse 12, um, the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance. So like there are these army that are settled in great numbers. Um, and in Jeremiah 5, um, he describes the Babylonian army, but in terms which sound very locust-like. So Jeremiah 5.17, uh, the army, they shall eat up your harvest and your food. They shall eat up your sons and your daughters. They shall eat up your flocks and your herds. They shall eat up your vines and your fig trees. So locusts devouring, locusts like an army, locusts like horses, in Jeremiah 51, 27, war horses are compared to bristling locusts. And I think the bristling is this, the sort of some of the sounds that they make. Um, so, and then that thing we mentioned earlier in, in, um, in Revelation 9, the, the picture there is of uh, these locusts, the, the, this demonic powers, but they're pictured like locusts, which are like uh, horses. So this, this is a common theme in, uh, in the scriptures. So Joel, in this, this part of his, um, his prophecy, is speaking of the locusts with all these images of, of, of an army and a destroying army. And that continues in verse 5. As with the rumbling of chariots, they leap on the tops of the mountains, like the crackling of the flame of fire. And I think that is, again, that's the, just the sound that they make as they come. You know the sound of crickets Well, if you, in a field. Well, if you sort of magnify that up 10,000 times and, and then have this devouring cloud, that sort of sound. They come in like a powerful army drawn up for battle, this sense of them being organised. But then verse 6 to 9, it moves on to the, this, uh, them being this unstoppable army. And it develop, continues to develop this military imagery um, as them in terms of disciplined soldiers... But then it, it mixes that with this attack on Zion, this attack on the city. So um, verse 7, like warriors, they charged, like soldiers, they scale the wall. Um, and then they're un unstoppable. Verse, end of verse 8, they burst through the weapons and they are not halted. 
They leap upon the city. They run upon the walls. They climb up into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. So here is this picture of this great judgment coming. And it is completely unstoppable. There is nothing we can do to stop it. Um, it's a bit like the, the sort of the, remember the early days of the coronavirus epidemic when we didn't really know what we were dealing with and there's all these scary pictures on the news uh, and this pandemic was coming. It had been in China and Italy and it was about to hit UK and there was nothing really we could do to stop it. So people went out and, and bought, um, bought loo rolls and things like that and had these very inadequate uh, responses because this was this invisible this invisible deadly virus or so we thought it might be coming. Um, well, here there really is this, this unstoppable army that is going to come in and uh, the, the city defences are completely useless. Verse 10, the earth quakes before them. And I think the, this picture just of the ground heaving and moving, as these, the, the very ground seems to be moving. The heavens tremble, the sun and moon are darkened and the stars withdraw they're shining. These locust clouds shut off the light uh, by day and by night. So then we find verse, um, verse 11, speaking of this, this judgment which is falling upon the people, that this locust army is, is the Lord's army. It is God's army. So verse 11, the Lord utters his voice before his army. So it is his, for the camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful. All these things, this, this judgment that is falling, is under God's own command. For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? So it's this, this terrifying picture of God's judgment coming upon his people, this terrifying picture of the presence of the Lord in these winged creatures. And sometimes when the scriptures um, show to us that the presence of God, think of the book of Ezekiel, we, we see, see the glory of, of God and his radiance, and there are these winged angelic hosts gathering around the throne room of God. And it's this glorious picture of winged beings and God able to move and, and in, in with the, the chariot host of God in Ezekiel. Well, here is a sort of picture of God, but this, this glory cloud of darkness surrounding him and this, these winged creatures of destruction. So it's a frightening and a fearful picture of the coming day of the Lord. And one of the things I think we just see here is God's sovereign control over all these things in uh, the judgments which fall upon his people. Here, the locust, but his sovereign control over invading armies, his sovereign control, even over when we come to the book of Revelation, we see these great and terrifying images of God's judgment falling um, at that time. And yet, they were all under the Lord's sovereign control. So Joel brings this, this great promise of the coming judgment, but there's also within this, this call to repent, this alarm, this call for the people to uh, return to the Lord, to rend their hearts and not their garments. So even in the very midst of these dark judgments, God is calling his people. He is constant and steadfast in his love. 
And so uh, in these Old Testament judgments, I think we see, we see two things. We, we see a foreshadowing of that final eschatological judgment, that final judgment. We also see the disciplining hand of God as he works to call his people to repent and turn to him. And so we see there is throughout Joel this call to repent and turn to the Lord. And that is the the message of of the the whole of the Bible. It's a message of judgment, but a message whereby God raises up prophets and preachers to say, return to the Lord. So Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. The message of Christ is a message that calls each one of us to turn to God to find salvation in him, to flee from judgment, to flee from the judgment to come and seek refuge in Jesus Christ. And um, Jesus said that um, repentance and the forgiveness of sins is going to be preached in his name, beginning in Jerusalem uh, amongst all the nations. And we see in the book of Acts, um, Peter after the death, resurrection, ascension of Christ and the pouring out of the Spirit, he preaches a message of, of repentance. In fact, as we'll see in a couple of weeks, he uses a section from the book of Joel and, and this, this message that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And he's speaking of the Lord Jesus there, um, the great God, our great God and Saviour, the Lord to whom is given all authority in heaven and upon earth. And so Peter on the day of Pentecost calls people to repent and cut to the heart. Uh, People do repent and turn to the Lord. So there's this great call, isn't there, that people should should return to the Lord. So there's this, uh, um, we see this this promise um, of an, an escape from judgment, an escape from the day of the Lord. But there's also a promise in the book of Joel as we come on um, that we see there's this promise of blessing really developed in the the second half of the book. Uh, But there's a promise that the land that has been stripped bare will then be blessed, that there will be rains and fruit and fruitfulness. So there's a promise of blessing. So when the Lord Jesus comes, he comes to bear the curse. So Jesus Christ uh, died up, up upon the cross to bear, uh, bear the, the, the curse. And we see that um, he, he bore the, the curse. So Galatians 3, Christ uh, redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For as it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So Jesus Christ, he died upon the cross, and that was that great, great day, a great day of judgment as the covenant curses fell upon Christ, and he consumed up the, the, the curse, as it were, and brings blessing rather than curse for all those who will come to him. And I wonder whether um, we spoke earlier of, of John the Baptist having a diet of, of locusts and honey, now, why are we told that? Why are we told he had a diet of locusts? Was it just he was in the desert and there have to be lots of locusts about and that's just what there was to eat? Or is this a, a somehow a foreshadowing 
of the fact that the curse itself will be consumed and eaten. Uh, the eater, the locust, is eaten. Well, I'm not sure whether it is or not. That is what Christ does, isn't it? He consumes the curse. He devours, um, breaks the power of death. He devours death. And when, when um, the end comes and the dead are raised, we're told that death will be swallowed up in victory. So the curse itself is going to be eaten up and swallowed up. Um, I think more about that as, as, we, as we come on in future weeks, as we sort of try to explore the, some of the imagery of this book. And so, but for those who are in Christ, those who have come to Christ, we know that that day of the Lord, his, his fierce judgment, that that was born by Christ upon the cross. And that we look forwards to, not to a day of wrath, but to blessing and eternal life. And Paul encourages believers to look patiently uh, towards uh, that great, uh, the, the future. And so um, Paul speaks to the, the Christians in Thessalonica uh, with, with these words. He says, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And he exhorts and encourages those who are in Christ to look forwards to that great future day. Well, let me close with uh, his words, uh, Paul's words at the end of 1 Thessalonians. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Well, let me pray as we come to sing together. Father, we see in scripture these um, dark portrayals of the day of the Lord, this day of judgment falling. And Father, we remember the promise of Christ that he will return. We remember our confession that Christ will return in glory and majesty. That the trump, trumpet sound will be, will be called and the, the call of the archangel and the Lord will appear. And so, Father, I pray that you would enable us to trust in the Lord Jesus, to call upon his name, to uh, rejoice in Christ to rejoice in the blessing he brings, to rejoice that he died to bear the curse and rose again for our salvation. And Father, we pray that you would be just teaching us these things uh, in the, by the power of the Spirit and pray afresh that the word of Christ would run freely and would be preached throughout the nations. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let us stand and sing our final song. <laughs>